What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the 20 Minute Marketing Podcast. I hope you are having a fantastic day and thank you for joining us on episode 70 of the show. We really appreciate your support. If you are a first time listener, then my name is Liam and I work at a company in the UK called Reach Interactive. On the show, I interview marketing experts on a range of different topics. We cover things like SEO, content, paid ads, social, and everything in between. So if you do enjoy listening, feel free to check out some of our former episodes. Today is going to be a really fun one because I'm going to be speaking with someone whose website I have used quite a few times now. So it's always nice to speak to someone whose brand I'm familiar with. So let's get started. Our guest today is Alex Sanfilippo from Podmatch, um, which allows podcast hosts and guests to match with each other. And it's great because uh, it's quite regulated and it matches you with people or shows of close interest. So it's really valuable if you're looking to get involved in the podcast space or find some guests. Alex is also the first person joining us from the US in a while. Um, the last time that we spoke to someone in America was with Heather Osgood, um, who I know you're friends with too, Alex. And I think that was all the way back in November. Um, so it's definitely been a while. Um, so with all of that said, hey, Alex, welcome to the show. And how's it going? Hey, Liam, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate me being a, uh, another US uh, listen. I'm a listener myself, but also get to be a, a guest here today. It's about 11 degrees Celsius here in Jacksonville, Florida, which uh, I know that you're used to a little bit colder weather than I am, but that for me is cold. So I'm wearing a jacket today, which is not something that I usually do here in Florida, but uh, really happy to be here, happy to be indoors and get the opportunity to chat with you today. Yeah, I think 11 degrees is considered warm for us in England. We'd all be walking around in shorts probably. Um, so that's quite funny to hear. Before we dive into the episode, could you spend 30 to 60 seconds telling us about yourself and Podmatch, please? Yeah, sure. So I'm, I've been a podcast host myself for a few years. And Liam, real quick, I just want to mention you do a fantastic job of the show. I really enjoy listening to it. I really enjoy the length. The content is always stellar. So great job to you from one podcast host to another. That side of the mic is much more difficult than this side. So with me being a podcast host myself, I decided that I wanted to launch something to also serve other podcasters because I saw a need that I had, and I also validated that others had it as well. So I decided to launch what's called podmatch.com. And as Liam said, it just connects podcast guests and hosts together. It's my SaaS business, if you will. And it's something I've been working on for about a year now, and I've been really enjoying it. I've actually been pursuing this full time along with my podcast, creating a brand. And this is what I do with my time, something that I really enjoy. Yeah, awesome. I remember last year when you'd initially launched and, and seeing the momentum that was building around Podmatch. So it's great to see that you've now got over 4,000 members, and I'm sure that that number will continue to rise um, in the future. Um, so we're going to get started with the episode. We're going to be talking about how you've grown Podmatch, a little bit about podcasting, uh, which will keep top level, and some unique channels that you've been using over the past 12 months to grow your website. So let's dive in and get started. <laughs> So as I mentioned briefly in the intro, we're going to be talking about some of the different ways that you've been marketing Podmatch, Alex. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing about how you've grown your audience and some of the platforms and channels that you've been using. First of all, you started with this really cool idea of helping podcast hosts and guests match with each other. Um, how did that transform into Podmatch as we know it now? And what are some of the things that happened when you first started? It's kind of an interesting one because I think a lot of people, entrepreneurs in particular, we just have ideas and we decide to launch them. Uh, Liam, I'm going to let you and your audience in on a little secret. I have terrible ideas. My ideas very rarely turn into something that turns into a good business. So I kind of came with a different philosophy. Even years ago, when I even launched my podcast, I decided instead of 
coming up with an idea and launching it and seeing what happens. Instead, I would first val- validate the idea. And I think this is really a great framework for anyone to launch a business from. So what I did is I actually went to a conference. I was speaking at a lot of podcasting conferences, like in person, Liam, like when we used to actually go to conferences, shake hands, hug, all that. There's about 2,000 people at this conference. And while I was there, I was like, okay, I kind of have an idea because it was a problem that I was struggling with, but I need to validate this idea. So I need to make sure that the problem actually existed in a wider range than just me and maybe a few others. So while I was there, I asked everybody, I'm like, hey, what are you struggling with in podcasting? And a lot of them, I kept on hearing the same thing. I'm having a hard times finding the right guests, not finding guests in general, but the right ones that are actually going to speak to my audience and help me grow my brand that I'm working on. And it was interesting because in that same room with about 2,000 people in it, there's people who were there that were not podcasters. They were actually authors or course creators. And they came to meet podcasters so they could get interviewed on their shows. So to me, it kind of clicked because I was like, oh, wow, I just met someone looking for a guest just like you. Let me go introduce you. And so that happened very organically at this conference over just a few days. And I just started whiteboarding out the idea. I'm like, okay, how could I do this on a larger scale other than me, just Alex Sanfilippo introducing person A to person B and making a match. And that's where I was like, you know what? What if there was something very similar to an online dating app and we just did it like that? So that's where the idea really came from. And to actually, again, further validate it, the 100 people that I met at that conference that walked through this process with me, I had all their contact information. I asked them if they'd be willing to be my launch customers, the people that I could initially launch with to try the thing out. So we call them members. So it's like, hey, you all are the members. They're going to see if this works. So we launched with 100 people, 50 guests, 50 hosts, and it worked really well. And from there, we just began growing the business. But the whole idea came from me offering a solution to a real problem that I was able to find and doing so with, with great execution. Yeah, I think that's really cool to hear, especially with the conferences and how you sort of validated the idea before you got uh, started. Um, one thing that I really like about Podmatch, uh, which I mentioned in the intro, is that you make sure that all of your shows and guests go through a vetting process. Um, and I think it really makes the site more credible because the chances of you connecting with someone with similar interests ultimately increases. Do you think that's the direction that lots of businesses should take so that they're able to offer a refined service and really target specific users? to allow them to get the most out of their platform and service? It's another really good question. And I think that a lot of people in today's world, because we are like a numbers driven world, right? Everyone wants to to get members quick. They want to have more customers, more of this. For me, I wanted to focus on the quality of it. And I realized the only way I could focus on quality is if one, on the host side, I had minimum criteria for them to be able to join. And yes, some people are like, why would you do that? Like new people can't necessarily get on the platform. And it's true. If you're before what's considered the pod fading line, which just means most podcast hosts don't make it past 10 episodes, they don't last longer than 90 days. Those people can't come on the platform until they've passed that line because if they're going to interview one of our guests, we want to make sure the, the materials actually get published. I've been on a handful of podcasts that never made it to my episode. They stopped before they published mine. So it was like, okay, it's too bad, right? That's kind of sad to see. And then on the, on the flip side, on the guest side, we want to make sure they actually fill out a lot of information. It is a lot of information. We say it takes about 15 minutes for someone to register an account. And so we're like, this is just too long. It's crazy. But again, it helps us get much higher quality guests and hosts on the platform which is more important to me than a number. I'm, I'm definitely quality over quantity every single day of the week. Yeah, really cool. And what might get missed in that is that the 15 minutes of filling out a profile is going to save you so much time when it comes to the conversation that you'll have to have as a host where you're asking guests questions about, you know, do they have a setup? Have they been on shows before? What do they like talking about? Um, are they going to share it on social media? And all of these sorts of questions that I have to sometimes go through um, get taken away by you asking people that 15 minutes worth of questions to start out. Um, so before we dive into some marketing channels, I just wanted to talk briefly about some top level podcast news because I think it's super interesting. So we'll keep it short, but there's been a lot of news around how Apple might be changing their podcast distribution so that podcast hosts can charge listeners on a per episode basis. 
So kind of like when you buy a song on iTunes or something like that, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how the industry might change and whether that's something that might come into practice and how uh, those changes will ultimately impact hosts and maybe even podcast advertising as well. Yeah, this is another really interesting question that I think is, is great to discuss. And I'd be curious to get like a whole panel on this sometime, Liam. There should be like 10 of us talking about it because we all have different ideas of what's happening behind the scenes. But I first really thought that this would happen right when Spotify started getting into podcasting because there wasn't money in podcasting at that point at all. And they were spending hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, literally hundreds of millions of dollars on something that there wasn't a way to monetize. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, they must have a long-term model that they are going to charge podcasters to be on their platform if you don't want their ads in it, or you don't want this to happen or that to happen, or you want a premium version to upload more content, whatever it might be, somehow, some way people were going to have some sort of paid model. And yeah, I do see that starting to happen. And I was really shocked to see Apple being the ones that kind of make the first move toward that. But let's let's face it, I mean, they want to capitalize on what they have. And yes, podcasting is growing. There's nearly 1.9 million podcasts now. Not all those are active. But as that top line number continues to grow, companies like Apple, Amazon, and Spotify are seeing the dollars and that's why they're getting into podcasting so heavily. And I believe, yeah, we're going to see some charge, some actual charges as podcast host. I have no idea what that's actually going to look like, but I definitely know that it is coming. And I was actually quite surprised when I found out that Apple Podcasts is the most popular streaming channel to listen on too. The whole monetization thing is also super interesting though, especially when you look at brands like Barstool Sports. Um, I found out recently that podcast revenue is their biggest income. Uh, which makes a lot of sense, but it is also surprising. And it shows that actually podcasting can be used to make a lot of money if it's done correctly. So I'm going to move on to some questions specifically about Podmatch now. Did you go down the typical path of running paid ads and posting social content? Or have there been any unique channels that have been a success for you that's been a surprise? Yeah, you know what, we've actually not done any paid advertising at all. Um, I take that back. We spent one week and we did a $5 ad on Facebook every day before we just cut it off. And we're just like, you know what, let's just try it all organic for now. So we, we've not spent any marketing dollars at all. We've just kind of tried random things that I think a lot of people haven't necessarily thought of, but it, it's worked in our favor. The conversation around paid ads and whether to invest in them is always an interesting topic. It's really easy to spend a lot of money for a small return if you aren't quite sure who to target or your product or service perhaps requires a lot of touch points before converting. With that said, would you be able to tell us about some of those channels that have worked for you then? Yeah, definitely. And also to add what you just said, Liam, I think it's important to remember that if you are trying to bootstrap a startup like, like we are, doing advertising can turn into a lot of dollars really quick. And we did some basic math. We would not be a bootstrapped lean startup if we started doing advertising based off what we were seeing would cost us to get each customer. And yes, we were even thinking about working with people to do ads. And either way, we were going to have to go for outside funding or me and my business partner were going to have to pour a lot of our own money into it. And it just wasn't the model that we had. We started this business with $5,000 and we never had to put another dollar in. Since then, we've been able to make all that back plus a lot more, which is really exciting to, to be able to, to have done. But it only happened because we decided organic marketing tactics. So the first thing I'm going to mention is, is the, developing the culture of the company from day one. I think a lot of us, we think of like a service-based business or B2B as we're calling it. I think that some of us, we have to kind of get out of that mindset that yes, I'm B2C or I'm B2B or this is a SaaS startup. It's just a service I'm not connected to. All those things are great and all, but at the end of the day, everything we do is H to H, which means human to human. And I think that we have to remember that on the other side of whatever your product or service is, there is a human that is doing something and being affected by it. So the first thing that we did is we got that into our mindset from day one. We said, okay, there's going to be a human element. Yes, it's completely automated. We don't actually have to touch it at all, but we want to make sure that our names are somehow in it. And somehow we connect with these individuals. So we, the first thing we did 
is we never call anyone our customers, we call them our members. So they are Podmatch members, and you'll never see in any of our copy, anywhere on our website, anywhere in any emails. We never say you're a valued customer. We say you're a valid, valued member that we're happy to be working with, and we want to serve you however we can. So the very first thing I mentioned is just to kind of get that culture in your mind that, hey, we've got to be human to human and make sure we're taking care of the person on the other end of the line. And by doing that, that's not necessarily a marketing tactic. However, it kind of rolls into one because people that feel like they're treated like a human are happy to share that type of thing on their own behalf. Because again, to them, it really served them and helped them out a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think at the end of the day, there's nothing better than organic traffic and having customers or members that are excited to share your product or service with other people for free. And I also think that more and more B2B and SaaS companies are doing a good job and catching up with consumer brands by creating communities and dropping the tech jargon that used to be industry standard. Have you offered any sort of referral schemes or asked members to share Podmatch on their own podcast shows at all? Yeah. So after you get into the human to human side of things, and you get that mindset, you kind of get that culture engraved. The next thing you want to do is really find a way to engage the members that are using the platform. So for me, the first thing I do, and this is number one, I'll share a couple things, a few things here, but number one is to do things that don't scale, which is totally counterculture, right? You always want to think scale and think long-term. And yes, you do need to do that. But in the beginning, it's so important that you actually do things that don't scale. So for me, the first thing I did is the first hundred members, I reached out to each of them and asked them, Hey, what does it look like? Like, can you tell me if this is working? Can I watch you on Zoom? Just use the platform so I can see what you're doing that I'm not doing. Or like, do you see all the buttons I see? And then what we did from there is I started contacting every member who started joining as a paid member. We have two tiers. We have a free tier and a paid tier. Everyone who joined as a paid member, I'd ask them the same, like I had four questions I'd ask them. It was all around the lines of their experience. You actually had a really good episode on uh, creating a memorable, memorable customer experience. Uh, I think it was episode 59 with Tom Downing. Really just a phenomenal episode. Really enjoyed that. Learned a lot from it. And that's the type of thing we want to make sure that we make it memorable for these, these individuals that are working with us. So for me, reaching out to each of them, it was a great way to do marketing because by the end of the conversation, I was able to say, hey, if you know anyone else who would value from Podmatch, will you please do me a favor and, and share it with them? And these individuals felt so part of it that they decided that, yes, they took that upon themselves to say, yes, not only are you treating me like a human, but you're also asking me for my feedback and you're making improvements based off what I'm saying. Yes, I'd love to share it with these four or five people. And we really grew organically just by doing that. And that's, that's the first of the three things I'll mention. Some really interesting points there. And the episode that you mentioned with Tom Downing is definitely one of my favorite episodes we've ever recorded. Um, so I would definitely recommend checking that one out if you haven't already. Um, and to bounce off your answer, I think a lot of businesses undervalue the ability to just ask customers how they found the experience um, and if anything can be improved. So it's really cool that you went directly to them and asked for feedback. But at the same time, you created a connection and made them feel valued and made them want to use your business again in the future. Yeah. And the other two points really piggyback right off of this. And here's the thing. You really can't just ask your customers to share if you're not treating them like humans. I, can't, I still can't believe this day how many people are willing to share. Like we've only grown because of this. We wanted to reinforce this. So yes, we asked. But the second thing we did right along with it is we had a great affiliate plan. And the way the affiliate plan works, if you're a paid customer, you will earn commissions. And if you're a non-paid customer, what you earn is additional views. So that means basically we'll show you more matches per week. Right now we have a limited amount of matches we show, which is more than enough for most people. I'd say that 90% of users will never need to upgrade. It's fine. But if they want to see just a little bit more and not pay, they share it. We will unlock more matches for them to see. They'll get more custom searches. Anything basically to say thank you for sharing it because that's what we asked you to do. And now we want to reward you for that. Hey, here's a few more matches for you this week if you're interested. Here's a few more custom searches that you're able to do on the platform. So by doing that, it really helped us not only say, hey, will you share, but also I'll, here's a, an incentive to do so. And we make sure we track that. So something we do on a monthly basis is we look at the people who have been willing to share it and people who have joined on their behalf. 
and we contact those individuals. Usually right now, again, going back to things that don't scale, it's me right now who's reaching out saying, hey, thank you so much. I noticed you brought five people to the platform. I just want to say thank you. And usually what I'll do personally is I'll shout them out on my, on my social media, just saying, hey, this person really helped pod match this month. I just want to say thank you. Here's their business. Here's what they do, a little bit about them. And I never say I'm going to do that. People are just like, wow, this guy is serious. And he really appreciates the fact I was willing to help. And guess what they do the next month? They go share it with five more people. Going back to the start of the episode, I think that's a great example of the H to H. It also kind of reminds me of the SEO FOMO newsletter, which I subscribe to, which is by Aleda Solis. But at the bottom of every email, she includes a custom link that you can share with your network. And if they sign up to the newsletter as well, then they get a reward based on the number of sign-up referrals directly linked to your um, custom URL. So you can get things like a free mug, a free hoodie, a social media shout out, and even a free consultation. So it really gives people an incentive and they feel like they're getting something back in return. Moving on then, you mentioned different tiers for free and paid membership on Podmatch. I'd love to hear your thoughts on whether you think the reaction would have been different if you'd have launched a paid service right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as someone who owns a business, I would have liked to have charged from, from day one, right? I think that would be, would be nice for all of us. However, um, it really wasn't realistic because with this type of thing with Podmatch, it's a network effect, which simply means that it becomes more viable than people that are on it. From day one, if you're a paid member, there wasn't any value because if you're the first person to join you paid, there is no one for us to match you with. There's nothing that's going to happen. So we waited a few hundred people to really join and be active and start using it, give us feedback. We made some adjustments, some changes based off what they were saying. And that's when we introduced the, the paid plan. And for me, I, I, at some point, who knows, maybe we will always we'll charge even like a bottom tier and a top tier. But right now, free and paid is the model we want to do. And it's serving a lot of people and people are really enjoying it. As it grows, again, the network effect, if we had 100,000 members, it might be a different case because it'd be very, very valuable for anyone to join at that point if you just had access to, to all those people. But for now, I think that we, we launched it the right way. We launched it in a way that helped it scale a lot quicker. And again, it was really serving an industry and solving a need. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I definitely think there's scope to grow businesses on a free program and then scale up once you have uh, found out what people enjoy and what they're willing to pay for. I have one final question in this main section. So I was wondering if you had any quick fire tips for anyone that is maybe a small business owner um, that is looking to scale up or perhaps is new to the B2B or SaaS space. Yeah, I'll mention two things that have really been helpful for us. Number one is one that most people are probably familiar with these days. And if they're not, they should really take advantage of. But being a guest on other people's podcast is a really great way to grow your business. It really strengthens your brand. It builds trust with a new audience that you may not have access to. So I recommend to everybody be a guest on other shows. Even if you don't have your own, if you don't want your own. Liam, Liam and I both know that having your own podcast is a ton of work. And it's definitely not for everybody. Some people will be like, everyone should have their own show. I don't agree with that, but I do think that everyone that has a business should be on other podcasts that are specifically in that niche to talk about what they're doing and not necessarily to promote it, but just to share the story like, like I'm doing here today. That's a really valuable thing. And the second thing that I'll mention is one that's not nearly as widespread or known or anything like that. It's the, the process of gamification. Gamification is a great way to get more engagement, more buy-in. And I'll tell you who's done a great job with this is, is the, the little free games on on Apple, on the, on the app store. I don't play and even my wife loves all these like little puzzle games and things like that. And they do a great job showing you where you stand, like where you stand with the other members. And it's like, oh, if you just play for 15 more minutes, you'll move up a rank. And people are like, oh my gosh, I'm playing for 15 more minutes then, right? I mean, we've all seen that. Gyms do that sort of thing. All types of businesses are really getting into gamification. 
And something that, a simple way to do this that we did on Podmatch is we just made a, a leaderboard. It shows the top 10 podcast hosts and top 10 podcast guests. And there's a whole list of criteria of what can make them rank that high. Basically just shows people, hey, this is where you're at. And if you were on that top 10, we're going to share all of your stuff at the end of the month. We're going to share it with everyone else who uses the platform and publicly on our social media. And by doing that, I'll tell you what, that's been the number one comment that I get from people when I meet them. They say, wow, I really love the leaderboard. Like I worked really hard and I got to number eight last month. Like it was really cool. People like that. And it causes people to share organically if that's part of your criteria for being on the leaderboard, which it happens to be for us. And it really helps you promote your business. And also just, it, I don't know, it makes it fun for people. It's a game, right? So that's something that I recommend people to do as well. Find a way to implement some sort of leaderboard or a system where you can show that people are using it the most because it really gets people encouraged to do even more with you. Two really great examples there. I still think that guesting on podcasts is massively undervalued um, and our listeners no longer have the excuse that they don't know where to find opportunities because you can head to Podmatch and find a show really quickly. And the second example of gamification is also really cool. If you go all the way back to episode 25 of our show, uh, when we were allowed to record in person, I actually recorded an episode on branded games with Carrie Kirby from Peek and Poke. Um, so feel free to check that out if you are interested in gamification and branded gaming. So we're going to close out the main section of our chat right here. Thank you for sharing some really cool things with us, Alex. Um, I have two quick fire questions that I'll be asking to you before we wrap up the episode. So stay tuned, everyone, for a few more minutes. So the closing section of every episode has two quick questions that I ask to every guest that joins us. Uh, they're usually pretty fun because we get such a diverse range of answers. So my first one, Alex, is do you have a memorable story that jumps out when you look back on your career? Could be something funny, a career highlight, something embarrassing, or just something really memorable. Yeah, I'm going to share two things because they're really short. And I, I had to think about this question a lot. I wanted to have something funnier than I have, unfortunately, Liam, but haven't been around long enough to have a real funny story. If I come back in a couple of years, maybe I will at that point. But I'll just share one. Me and my business partner, again, I have these whiteboards all lined up behind me. And once a week, we work together at this office. And we had a new project that we were starting for Podmatch, something that the members had been asking us for. So we wanted to build it out. And I remember we spent 30 minutes coming up with a name for the project. We're like super efficient, but we love Star Wars. And we wanted like a Star Wars name that actually related to it. So we ended up calling it uh, Project Stardust. But I realized that we had been sitting there for 30 minutes in a two-hour meeting that we were supposed to be brainstorming the idea and 30 minutes it was spent on coming up with a name for it. So uh, we, did, we decided to opt out of coming up with fancy names for our future projects. But that was a pretty funny thing that happened. We learned the value of our time. But uh, Project Stardust was a success. And uh, we were happy to have the name for that one time. But anyway, on the, on the flip side, I'll share one thing that really helped me out a lot. I had the opportunity to talk with Greg McEwen. He's the author of a book called Essentialism. Really phenomenal book. And he, he and I did some, some coaching after we recorded an interview together. Uh, when I say coaching, he was coaching me. And I just told him, hey, I'm running out of time. Running a support inbox. I'm the salesperson. I'm the marketing guy. I'm all these different things for the business, right? And that's what you have to do when you're starting off. And he said, Alex, you know what I hear you saying? You're telling me all the what's you need to do. You're saying this is what I have to do. This is what I need to do for this, what I need to do for that. He said, but you need to be asking who instead of what. Who can do this instead of what I have to do? And that was a huge mindset shift for me. It really helped me a lot to realize that, yes, this is what needs to be done, but who can do it aside from me? Is it an automation tool? Is it another person? Is it a VA? What does that look like? And since I've done that, I've actually been able to scale back from a 12-hour day to an eight-hour day just from that one piece of advice I got from Greg McEwen. So that was something that was really memorable and meaningful for me in, in this career that I've started. Yeah, I really like that story. I think it's so important to find the balance between work and home life. Um, which is easy for me to say since I'm not running a business, but I think my opinion still stands. 
Um, so my final question then is, do you have a favorite resource that you use on a regular basis, which could help our listeners? Maybe a newsletter, a blog, a podcast, a plugin or something like that. Yeah, Liam, I have not listened to all of your episodes, but I, I hope to be the first one to mention this. But I use something called Text Expander. Has anyone else ever mentioned that? Has that been mentioned on here? Uh, no, they haven't. That's a new one, actually. Oh, look at that. Okay. So the tool that I'll mention is called Text Expander. It's something I've really enjoyed. It's just an add-on to your PC or Mac. And basically what it does is it allows you to take just snippets of text and it automatically will, will fill it in. Basically, you just have like a little code. So example, I use all like four digit codes and it'll allow me to just type in those four letters and it will make, it'll expand that text into an entire paragraph or sentence or whatever it is that I previously wrote. And it's been really a huge time saver. I probably have about a hundred different uh, snippets in this text expander. And all I do is type in those little digits and it pops it up. So it's been great for customer support. Like when people were asking for things. So we have the, the support portal where we talk to our members and I'm able to just type in a few digits and answer most of the questions. And we wrote them in a really nice way. So you never have to go back and try to like duplicate a really nice response you gave one time. So that's been a really helpful tool. And it's just, it's faster than sitting there and typing up full sentences that you seem to use a lot. And what I like about it is it recommends the one. So basically it says, Alex, you say this like five times a day. Can we make it, can we make a snippet for you? And you can type in this four digit code and then you can just type it up. Um, it's been really helpful. So text expander is something I recommend to everybody. Yeah, I think that's a really good one. Thank you for sharing it with us. So we're going to close out the episode here. Thank you for being a wonderful guest and sharing your journey with Podmatch with us. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to seeing what's in store in the future. Liam, this was an honor to be here with you today. Yeah, my pleasure. So we'll be back next Wednesday with another unique episode. So have a great week and we'll see you then.